Welcome into the Legends Rewind Podcast. I'm your host, Rusty Ellis, joined today by former legendary White County head coach Roy Whited, among other things, of course. Coach, I'm glad that uh, you were able to sit down with me today. Well, it's very good to be be here, and I'm... um let me say I'm honored uh, that you would consider me in that category. I, I do not consider myself that, but I appreciate the fact that, that you do include me. Oh, trust me, when I look around for people to do these with, a lot of people said your name. <laughs> well, so, that's great. Thank you, so and coach, thank them. So, Coach, I guess the first thing to start, um, when, when did, what's your first memory of the game of basketball, I guess? Uh, as far as coaching? Just period. Yeah, period. you know, as far as coaching, um, when I when I got out of college, actually, my dream was to be a high school baseball coach. So baseball had been my sport, um, and so I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to get the head baseball coaching job right out of college mm-hmm. at Clark Range High School. Okay. And so in doing so, uh, the basketball coach, who was Roger Beatty at the time, asked me if I would assist him mm-hmm. in basketball. And which, knowing very little about coaching <laughs> basketball, um, I, I agreed. And the more that we did it, I, I actually helped him for two years. Mm-hmm. And while doing so uh, and being able to sit on the bench with him, I was also able to watch Coach Rogers, Lamar Rogers, mm-hmm. coach the girls, mm-hmm. practice the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to got to be really interested in how he did things and his success was, mm-hmm. you know, and especially later as we see his success is unmatched in high school basketball and girls basketball or any high school basketball as far as I'm concerned. And so I asked him question after question. I bur- you know, I bugged him every day. Why do you do this, and why do you do it this way? You know, and and so I, in doing so, I also coached the seventh and eighth grade. See, Clark Range High School has grades seven through yeah. twelve. I coached the seventh and eighth grade boys basketball mm-hmm. at the same time, and so I was able to use and incorporate mm-hmm. in coaching the seventh and eighth grade with a lot of things that I I learned from Coach Rogers. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you today, and I will tell anybody today, what little I know about coaching basketball, (laughs) I learned from Lamar Rogers. Mm -hmm. And we still have talks uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once a week, last year while I was coaching at York Institute, we talked about every day. Mm -hmm. And so... um, like I said, you know, I I have an enormous amount of respect for for coaching. Period. But to coach as long as he has, and to be as successful as he has been and continues to be, um, and knowing how the in, the inside, the intricate things that he did, what he demanded of his pra- of his players, mm-hmm. practice wise, mm-hmm. game wise, was. Um, I learned a great deal, not just X's and O's, mm-hmm. but also about discipline, about you know how players are to mm-hmm. act on the court and off the court. So what was your interest in baseball then? I'll get back to Lamar in a second because obviously yes. that's a really interesting subject, as great a coach as he is as well. Um, what was the interest in baseball? Where did that start? Well, that... Uh, 
I had have been pretty good uh, <laughs> at baseball in um, Little League. Um, Babe Ruth and Senior Babe Ruth had a, a man that was a very, very good baseball coach in Bill Johnson mm -hmm. uh, that owned Johnson's Food Store. Um, and I was with him for several years, worked for him at the store. And and he coached me. Then in high school, I had Sam Beatty, who was the girls' basketball coach and won a state championship at York Institute mm -hmm. as the high school baseball coach. Okay. And so it came from there, my love for baseball. And it just uh, continued. Uh, and I never lost that passion and love for baseball. It just happened that you got taken to, down this path for basketball. Yes, 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 it did. And it was accidentally. <laughs> hey, man, two state championships, that's a pretty happy accident, I think, you could say. <laughs> so uh, tell me, what what is that like learning from someone like Lamar Rogers, as great a coach as he is? Because he's held in high regard not just around here, but really throughout the entire state of Tennessee. Yeah, it's really I am grateful and blessed that I had the opportunity to have him, even though he didn't know it, I guess at the time, or did I, as a mentor uh, in coaching basketball. I, I learned about the offensive philosophy, his defensive philosophy. Uh, he, to me, and watching thousands of high school basketball games and coaching many, many high school basketball games, he was the master about making in-game adjustments that would change the whole complexion of a game. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing to me. Mm -hmm. I watched it night after night. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I try to, you know, learn and pick up and incorporate, you know, is being able to have your teams prepared for your opponent, but also to make in-game adjustments that when things weren't going well, mm -hmm. that you could change things. How much of that, being able, because I agree with you, his ability to make in-game adjustments is unmatched. How much of that is due to how detail-oriented he is? Well, and that is where he, one of the um, qualities that he has is that he is extremely detail-oriented over every aspect of the game. And I picked that up from him on every facet of a basketball game. Late-game situations, we always uh, set a time practice the last 10 minutes to go over a late-game play that if you need a basket, you know, in the last 10 seconds or the last seven seconds, and you've you put that in in practice so it's not brand new when you're faced that situation mm -hmm. on the basketball court during the game. And so we would practice different situations about being behind mm -hmm. in the third quarter. What do we do? What do we do differently? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so during a basketball game, we use time to. Uh, you know, inbounds plays underneath, mm -hmm. side uh, out inbounds plays, mm -hmm. uh, every everything that could possibly transpire during a basketball game, we tried to cover and not just cover to 
practice it. And so it was not a new mm -hmm. experience for our players. Mm -hmm. They had been in that situation they or seen it in practice, yes. So you, one thing I want to talk about here, because I know how busy the, the, the work life of a coach is. You talked about being the baseball coach, assisting with one of the basketball teams, and then working with the middle school teams. How brutal was that schedule, that work schedule as a whole, I have to well, ask? Well, you know, for a 21-year-old, it, it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, it, it really wasn't. Yeah. It feels like, you You're know. You're willing to put yourself through that. It, yeah, I mean, it was actually, it was a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it wasn't bad as a 21-year-old. Now, you look at, at me today, it would be totally impossible. <laughs> uh, like last year, for example, at coaching at York Institute, it, you know, literally physically just about got the best of me mm -hmm. and uh, I saw early on or midway through the season and there were so many variables last year with COVID mm -hmm. um, being the first year coach there mm -hmm. there were so many variables that went against us that it made it very difficult on me it made it very difficult on our players mm -hmm. and it I felt like that I did not give the players the opportunity to have the best situation mm -hmm. possible. And again, that was, I'm very self-critical, um, you know, as far as, you know, doing an inventory at the end, self-inventory at the end of the day. Did you do this? Did you do that? And I just don't feel like... And that's why I stepped down at the end of the season because it was not fair to those players mm -hmm. uh, and to that school and to that com community for me to continue to do what I was doing. I was coaching there, trying to keep the, the auction business here mm -hmm. going and preaching yeah. up on the mountain uh, at uh, DeRosset Church of Christ. And, you know, it was just too much and I you know sometimes my ego you know gets the best of me and says hey yeah you can do all this you can do all this well as it turned out yeah. you you can't do all this and do it well so let's talk about how you ended up at Sparta then what was what was that process like what got you there and I mean obviously it was successful there but what was the beginning like there you know that, that it's really interesting um, how that all transpired um, I had been head basketball coach at Clark Range mm -hmm. uh, take, uh, after serving as two years as assistant under Roger Beatty. I took the head, I was made the head basketball coach there. And uh, we had very good success uh, again, and large part from Lamar Rogers' help, mm -hmm. I'll just tell you. <laughs> of course, we had good players. Mm -hmm. Mike Buck played for us during that period of time, was our point guard. Um, we had and we made the state tournament mm -hmm. two times during that period um in 1987 and 1988 uh the, the boys state tournament was held at vanderbilt at that time and we were eliminated in the state quarterfinals in 87 and 88 the state semifinals by east robertson and carlos groves mm -hmm. that group and so after uh coaching there uh Larry Bruce Beatty, who was the head coach at York Institute, mm -hmm. had told administration there 
that he was going to do it two more years. Mm -hmm. The administration at York Institute at that time reached out to me Mm -hmm. and asked me if I would come Mm -hmm. to York Elementary and coach the 7th and 8th grade boys for two years and make that transition to come to the high school then as head coach Mm -hmm. in two years. Gotcha. So that's what I did. We did that as an understanding. There was nothing in writing uh, that was done on handshake. And uh, like I said, the administration at York Institute at that time, and I'm not going to bring up names, but that was how it transpired. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were very successful. Two years of wonderful success. That uh, We were 50-2 and two wow. in two years there, had great players, and those players were moving on up to the high school, of course. Mm-hmm. So I knew the talent was going to be there Mm -hmm. and um, anticipating, you know, what we had talked about. Mm -hmm. Well, there were some things that took place, and I can't tell you all the things that Mm -hmm. took place. But as it turned out, Mm -hmm. I did not get the head coaching job Mm -hmm. at York Institute. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I was very disappointed, um, angry, Mm -hmm. I can tell you, when that word got out, Ken Jolly, who was the athletic director here at White County at the time, mm-hmm. had a daughter, Kelly Jolly, mm-hmm. who is the head coach at UT Women now, yep. <laughs> that was um, a player in the, in, the, in, the girl, in the ladies program here. He reached out to me, and he had heard what had happened. Mm-hmm. And knowing him uh, through basketball circles, mm-hmm. he called me at uh, at the school. We had already started school. They had not started school here in White County and Fenters County. We had started school. He called me there and asked me, hey, would you be interested in coming to White County and serving as Coach Roy Sewell's assistant for a couple of years because Coach Sewell is going to retire and uh, he said, I have a vested interest because i got a son coming up mm-hmm. through the middle school. And would you be interested in doing that? And I said, I'd like to come down and talk to you. So I did come down, and I met with uh, Mr. Jolly, uh, Coach Sewell, Mr. Dykus, the principal, and Mr. Donnie Haley, the superintendent. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked for a couple hours, and they they offered me the job as being assistant boys basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I went home and discussed it with my wife in Jamestown. And she said, you know, basically we, we have nothing holding us here. Mm-hmm. You know, let's do it. So I, the next morning, submitted my resignation there in Fentress County mm-hmm. as being um, there at the junior high or York Elementary and I actually start. That was on Thursday. On Monday, they were having um, the orientation, uh, in-service training for yeah. teachers, and I was able to start on Monday mm-hmm. here in White County. And so that's how I got here at White County. So what you what year was that? The, what was your first year as the head coach then? The first year as head coach here at White County would have been I. I came here in 1991, and I served as assistant for for Coach Sewell for two years, and then taking over basically in 19, 
94, 95. Somewhere like that. Yes. Okay. So what were those – so obviously everyone talks about the state championships in 98 and 99. But what were those first couple of years like kind of helping continue that the success of the program or building that program? What was that like? You know, and people, you know, say, you know, how did you get to that point? What I was able to do, and I had a big advantage, is coming in as being an assistant to Coach Sewell, who Coach Sewell was um, a very good basketball mind, had great experience, 40 years of high school coaching, and I was able to pick up things from him. Uh, Derwood Vaughn, who was the head coach at Livingston at the time, was a very good friend. I was able to pick up things from him and then having Coach Rogers. But what I was able to do in those two years I was able to take our junior varsity, and at that time we had a ninth grade team, we had a junior varsity team, and a varsity team. And uh, having the ninth grade team and the junior varsity team, uh, I was able to take and work with them, mold them in the way that I would want them to practice and be prepared. Also, what I was able to do, and it followed the TO. TWSAA regulations, I was able to go to the middle school mm. since we only have one middle school. They only have one high school in White County. And I could see those players of uh, Brent Jolly, Kyle Gribble, Jared Austin, Brad Walker, uh, Shea Burchett. I uh, can't name them all, but I was able to see, wow, these guys are good and they're going to be really good. So what I was able to do with them at the time was even take them to summer camp Mm -hmm. and uh, get them game experience Mm -hmm. and get them used to me and get them used to our style. And it, we got a big head start. So when I took over as first year Mm -hmm. at, at White County high school, Mm -hmm. we were picked seventh out of 17 out of seven teams, we'd finished last in that district because then we were in the district with Murfreesboro, Oakland, yeah. Riverdale, uh, Lebanon. Uh, yes, very, very good basketball teams. And we had finished last, and we were finished, picked to finish last mm-hmm. for that year. And we, we surprised a lot of people that year. Uh, we actually finished second behind Murfreesboro, Oakland, who had Gerald King. Um, uh, of course, uh, coach King, Randy King at Oakland did a great job and we actually finished second that year, had a great record, uh, finished runner up in the region and traveled to Chattanooga Brainerd and played the substate there with Brainerd had CJ black Mm -hmm. and a a great team. And they eliminated us in the substate that year. My first year as head coach at White County. So we knew that we were on a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. It was what we wanted to be, and we could progress from there, and we did. So that 98 team, we'll talk about them first. Was there a moment when you realized that this team would, might, might be special? It was kind of, kind of strange because the, the year before, mm-hmm. the year before when Jeremy Austin, Matt Holman, Chris Jared were seniors. Of course, we had a really good team and probably the deepest team talent-wise that I've ever coached. And we had uh, had a great year, won the district, and won the district pretty easily, actually. Mm-hmm. Oakland was the second-place team in the district, and we'd, we'd beaten them double digits every time. And actually, in the district finals, mm-hmm. um, 
they had a player that moved in late in the year that changed the complexion of their team. That gave them a point guard that they were missing. Mm-hmm. Our team, which, you know, we had only lost two or three games during that year, we had to play them in the region semifinals mm-hmm. at MTSU. And we were upset mm-hmm. by one point by Oakland. And that that team... That team that year, by far, was the most talented team that I think I've ever coached was that year. We had, like I said, we were extremely deep, uh, very talented at every position. We could sub and not lose. And so foul trouble didn't bother us. We were able to be super aggressive, pressing-wise, trapping-wise. And so, but we lose basically four starters from that team. Oh, wow. And so the next year was was supposedly the, 90, the 98 team was going to be a down year for us. Brent Jolly, who had started since he was a freshman, was the only starter returning on that team. And Brad Walker, of course, had, had played multiple roles, and Brad was, com- was coming back. And so basically we... For that 98 team, we were able to blend in with them. In the spring, I can remember that we were having spring practice. And we had um, actually gone against uh, some of our alumni, the kids that had okay. just graduated, and which were really good. Yeah. And we had scrimmaged them in a informal scrimmage. And we had put in a new defense, our one-three-one, which became you know characteristic of who we were, our identity for the next few years. And we absolutely destroyed them, <laughs> absolutely destroyed them, and which was uh, very, very unusual. So I never will forget the next morning, Brad Walker was in the classroom. Uh, Miss Taylor's, which was next to my classroom. And so I went next door and I called him out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, he was going to be a senior mm-hmm. that year on the 98 team. Mm-hmm. And I said, Brad, I said, I really think we've got an opportunity to be special. Mm-hmm. We can be really good. And people do, do not think that, which is to our advantage. Mm-hmm. And I said, we've got, we've got every piece of the puzzle I think can be really good and we had and he agreed and so um, that's where it began that spring of 90 uh, uh, that that actually that spring of 97 mm-hmm. would have been 97 yes um, <laughs> is where it began so tell me what was what was the state tournament like that year then and what was it like to win a gold ball uh, you know it actually was amazing. Um, the fact of getting to the state tournament was was quite interesting. The year before, we had went, we'd taken our team, the team, the, that team that got upset in the region semifinals by Oakland. We went and watched the state tournament. Mm-hmm. We had actually played Cleveland and Vincent Yarbrough, and we had played them during the year home and home, and we had beaten them at our place pretty good, and they beat us by four or five at their place. So 
they win the state tournament, Triple A state tournament mm-hmm. that year, and I said, "Man, that should be us. Mm-hmm. That should be us." Well, then, what our first game of that next year, mm-hmm. ironically, was at Cookville High School in a Thanksgiving Classic. Mm-hmm. I'd had the opportunity to go to Saudi Daisy and watch Cleveland play because our first game was going to be against Cleveland High School, the defending state championship. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to watch them play. And I thought in my mind, I didn't tell the players. I said, hey, you know, we can really, we can match up with them. We can be really good. And sure enough, we go out and, and we beat them by 20. Mm-hmm. Our, first, our first game, it was their third game, mm-hmm. and we beat them 20 at Kubo High School. So we knew then it was going to be special. But... What stood in the way, we got upset in the region finals by Columbia, mm-hmm. and so we had to travel in the sub-state, and we had to travel to Cleveland mm-hmm. to, to play them in the sub-state. The, yes. <laughs> and after beating them as we had, you know, I knew it was going to be tough. And our kids, it was just a back-and-forth game. It was an incredible environment in that old round gym mm-hmm. Um the referee stopped a game several times and people were escorted out of the gym. <laughs> uh, it was that kind of environment. But we ended up, Kyle Gribble um, made a shot over Vincent Yarbrough with three seconds left off an inbounds play underneath that we had designed, and we we defeated them by one point to get to the state tournament. And so we go to the state tournament. Um, and our first game is against Tennessee High out of Bristol. They had upset, actually, they had upset um, a team in the substate on the road that um, had been ranked uh, number one uh, during the season, had two really good Division One college guards, and um, they... They, uh, so we played them our, our first game. At that time, you know, your AAA played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. It went that way. Single A played first, double mm-hmm. A played second, AAA played third. That's the way it went. Okay. Okay, so we had to play Thursday night late game, Friday night late game, and then the championship game on Saturday late game. Mm-hmm. So uh, we played Tennessee High. They were really, really scared. Uh, nervous. Our kids were very much relaxed mm-hmm. at home in that atmosphere. Felt comfortable because we play our re- we'd played our region tournament at MTSU, mm-hmm. so we'd gotten three games there. We always went to team camp at MTSU, mm-hmm. and we'd been fortunate that we got to play most of our varsity games on that gym floor. What a lot of people didn't realize was that. Um, that was like a second home court for us, and we did not tell people that. And so we were very comfortable in that environment. We, we, we were ahead of Tennessee High by about 30 at halftime, and so we played our, our second group most of the second half, and so they were rested. The semifinals on Friday night, we had to play Pearl Cone. Yeah, Ron Slay, John Henderson, they had, you know, they were stacked, loaded, and, of course, picked to win it all, yeah. you know, that year. And we we got behind early. Um, Corey Wilson, who was one of the two seniors, Brad Walker and Corey Wilson was a senior, and Corey played a role. 
Corey would play any role that we would put him in because we only played six players. Mm-hmm. Corey was our sixth man, and he played in different positions. And so um, Brad got in foul trouble, so he had to come in and play a post position. Um, we had to move people around. Um, we got behind early. They made some uh, mental mistakes, uh, got tech, got a couple of technicals. We were able to make free throws <laughs> and get within three of them at halftime. Okay. We knew then we're in good shape. All we got to do is stay close, mm-hmm. and when it gets to the end, we'll, we can win this thing. And sure enough, Brent Jolly made a three with about 30 seconds to put us up one, and we were able to hold on and win that game. And then in the state finals against Memphis White Station, uh, they had a really good team, but it just seemed like we were we were relaxed um, after the Pearl Cone game. You know, our fans wanted to celebrate. I wouldn't let our, our players celebrate. Mm-hmm. I said it's a great win for us guys, but it, we haven't won mm-hmm. one thing. We beat a really good team in the semifinals, but we have not won anything. Tomorrow night, if we allow this and our all, all of our emotion be drained and not be ready for tomorrow night, it's going to mean nothing. And so our players were very single-minded, seriously, you know, focused on that championship game. And we came out against White Station, played really well, maintained about a 10-point lead the entire game, and was able to win that state championship. How special was that moment with that team after all that work y'all put in? It's hard to describe. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to describe. At the time, it was kind of like a fog. I mean, you're (laughs) in a fog. You you, you think you're in a dream. And here we are, the smallest or next of the smallest AAA school in the state, Mm -hmm. to be able to win this AAA, the largest school division, against many Metro teams that had great, great athletes. And to be able to win that, it was um, incredible. So, following year 1999, I think, did a lot of people expect that to be a down year as well? Or see, what we, was the expectation there? Well, see, we only lose one senior off that team, Brad Walker. So we got four starters back. So, no, it's actually the opposite. Everybody was saying, well, you should win it again. You should win it again. I mean, that was that was the uh, what we got everywhere we went. And everywhere we went, we had a big X on our back. Defending state champions, you know, four starters returning. Uh, and we were everybody's biggest game of the year. And so everybody – and so I believe – that was one of the, the most difficult years that I had coaching. And, and I'm thankful that I had great assistant coaches while I was coaching here. Uh, during the first year that we won the state championship, Todd Hess was my assistant, and he fit in good. He took the head girl's job, and I was able to talk Coach Mike Buck, who was assistant college coach for his college coach at the University of Idaho, mm-hmm. to come to Sparta to be – an okay. assistant and was assistant that year in the 99 and it was a it was it was a very very difficult year because of the expectations mm-hmm. our players um i didn't want them to be satisfied with what the team had accomplished the year before because most of them four of the starters had been participants of that and so the motivation 
And it, it was completely different. It was a completely different environment. In the dressing room, it was a completely different environment in preparation um, and getting them ready to play. We, we actually played our best basketball that year at Christmas, the week after Christmas, when we went to Pine Bluff, uh, Arkansas, and pay, played at that time the most prestigious high school boys tournament, the King Cotton Classic. Okay. And we had got invited for that from what we had achieved the year before. Mm -hmm. And they, there were eight boys teams uh, in that, and those eight boys teams had to finish the year ranked in the top 20 of USA Today mm -hmm. rankings to get an invitation. And so we had got an invitation, um, and when we had all kinds of mess as far as our plane trip getting there, you know, they paid for all of that. But um, when I never will forget, we get there and we finally get into our hotel room about 9.30 that night on Sunday night. We play on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And so I told the players get their practice gear on. We were going to walk over. We were staying the Hilton, which, which joined the convention center where, they get, where the tournament yeah. was being played. And so we walk across and go over about 10 o'clock and have an hour workout mm -hmm. of, you know, basically shooting and just going through some uh, pregame, what we normally do. And one of the sponsors, that tournament was a first-class tournament. They had corporate sponsors. Mm -hmm. And I never will forget, after that hour and a half workout, I said, told the players, go to the dressing room. I'll be there in a minute. And... Uh, one of the sponsors that was sitting at the scores table watching us called me over and said, Coach, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, what in the world? He didn't say what in the world. He had some, <laughs> are you doing here? And I said, well, I know we don't look very good out there, <laughs> but I said, we are better than what you would think. And he said, I surely hope so, because you're going to be embarrassed. Your team is going to be embarrassed. And so we, our first game was against South Lafluche out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who had three D1 signees. And um, we were got behind 18 to two in that game. And I thought, oh goodness. But Kyle and Kyle Gribble and Brent Jolly, uh, they were, they made some threes. We were able to cut into the lead and only be down a couple of points at halftime. And so uh, we come back then at and, and we make a uh, – Brent makes a three late in the game, and we win that game by one point. And then we play Watson's Chapel, was the 4A state champions in Arkansas. Little Rock Central was the number one ranked team in the country that year. They had Joe Johnson. Yeah. And – and so they got upset the first game of the tournament by a team out of Houston, Texas. And uh, we played Watson's Chapel, uh, which was the 4A champion, uh, state champion in Arkansas, and we'd beaten them in the semifinals pretty good, mm -hmm. 15 or 20. So in the finals, we had to play Archbishop Spalding, which was a prep school out of Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. They had a seven-footer. Uh, they had uh, a six eight, six seven. They had a point guard that went to Villanova mm -hmm. and started as a freshman. Uh, they were loaded, and um, 
it was one of those games where we just um, played our game and made them play our style of game, and we were able to win at the end and win that tournament, which was amazing. Uh, a lot of people think, and a lot of people, rightfully so, you know, winning two state championships was amazing. When I go back and I look at the media guide for that tournament at the King Cotton, and I see players that played in the NBA that played in that tournament, and to be able to win that tournament, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, what was winning a second stage, a second straight state championship like? And what what teams did you have to go through to do that? Okay, uh, we like I said, I think we played our best basketball there. And then when we came home, we went into a a funk that you know we were. We got beat the next, not the next game, but the game after. We went to Bradley Central and got upset at Bradley Central. Central played horrible, got in foul trouble, and we went through a two-week stretch where we played terrible, mm-hmm. just terrible. And I told Coach Buck, I said, I think I am putting so much pressure mm-hmm. on them that they're feeling that pressure from me, and I'm backing off. And so we had a team meeting. I said, guys, listen, we've accomplished too much, did too much together to finish miserably. And I said, I don't want you miserable. I'm not going to be miserable. Let's have fun. Go out and play and play our game. And it seemed like from that point on, we had great tournament play, but got uh, upset by Columbia. Well, not really upset. Columbia had a great team that year uh, in the region uh, semis. That year was uh, the first year that they did not use a substate. They actually used a sectional tournament, which took the top two teams Mm -hmm. from each region. Actually, they took the top three teams from each region and pitted them together for a tournament, a sectional tournament. We had to go to University of Tennessee at Chattanooga to play. And so it was us, Columbia, and Oakland, Murfreesboro, Oakland. So we were the number two. Uh, Oakland was the number three. And, of course, Columbia the number one. And uh, we had to play Cleveland, uh, our first game down there. And we won that game pretty – and we then we had to play the number one team out of their region, which at that time was Ray County, and they were loaded. Mm-hmm. But uh, – we were playing really well, and we defeated them, you know, quite easily. In the finals, so the two teams that make it to the final of that sectional are going to go on the state tournament, win or lose. Mm-hmm. So we had to play Columbia again in the finals, and we lose in overtime. And so we, our, our draw in the state tournament means that we have to play Science Hill, the winner of the the first round of the state okay. tournament. And Science Hill was a Science Hill. I mean, really, really good. And we had a close game with them and was able to to pull that game mm-hmm. out and, you know, and, and win that game. Uh, the the next game was against uh, the best team in Nashville that year, which I um, would say was Hunter's Lane. Um, and I want to make sure that... I actually wanted to make sure that um, we usually have something hanging on the wall that tells us uh, <laughs> those things, but uh, we changed offices. So 
I wanted to make sure of that semifinal game um, who um, we actually uh, defeated in that semifinals. This is the championship balls here that we actually played with. Um, and I don't see uh, that schedule. But anyway, it was the best team in Nashville, and I was thinking it was Hunter Lane. If those guys were here, they could tell you exactly. <laughs> uh, I do know in the finals we had to play Columbia again for the again. third time. And uh, we played them a little differently than we played on the first two times, and we were able to beat them by nine points or so in the finals, and which was, again, a great accomplishment for us. So you've won two state championships at this point. Fast forward a little bit. When did you make the decision to leave White County okay. as a basketball coach? I wasn't going to leave then because I didn't want everybody to say, well, he, you know, I had job offers mm -hmm. uh, from different places. Um, uh, actually turned down a college coaching job. And I was not going to leave and say, Coach, have people to say, well, Coach Whitey coached through the talent, and then he left. We lost uh, four starters off that team. We had Cameron Mitchell coming back. And actually, you know, we, <laughs> with smoke and mirrors, at one time we were 24-1 and one that next year <laughs> and, and ranked number one in the state. Mm -hmm. And uh, But we didn't – we won the district that year. Um, had a great year. I, I – I uh, I would think that that uh, we finished up uh, 25 and seven that year. That would be the 99 2000 team, and was uh, and we got beat in the region semis on a very close game. Mm -hmm. And then the next year we had a really good team. Also, um, with we lost uh, off we lost four starters off that team. Mm -hmm. And so the next year, in 2000, 2001, we, we, again, we have, those players had got to practice, they, they knew the system, they knew how to win, and they had that same mentality as a program should have, carrying on year after year with different players that, you know, you do things a certain way and, and you're going to be successful, and they did. And so... They were very, very successful. I stepped down after the 2001 season, and um, and then, you know, uh, left it to, I hope that our program would carry on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was things happened. Uh, coaches mm -hmm. didn't get put in place that you, you would hope, but, you know, those things happened. So let's fast forward a little bit more now. Uh, talk about your year at York last year and talk about uh, how you ended up with that job and what that year was like. Well, as I told you, when we ended up coming here in 91, you know, that that's my alma mater. That was where I graduated. That's where I wanted – I always wanted to coach there. Mm -hmm. And that had always been a dream of mine to coach there. And, of course, I had put that out of my mind. That's not going to happen. You know, these things have worked out for the best. Well – when that job became open after Coach Taze had retired, um, I had some people ask me, and so I applied for the job. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, with COVID then in the spring, you know, York had actually made the state tournament mm -hmm. that year but didn't get to play. Yeah. 
and um, they lost two really, really good players off that team. Um, and they had three players coming back, good players. And um, so I'd applied for that. It went all through the summer, uh, and, and, and we did not know. Of course, there was no summer camps. Mm -hmm. And so I officially got the job the third week in August mm -hmm. when I was officially hired as head coach there. Mm -hmm. um, a school had started, of course, and with COVID and all the things going on, I was able, I didn't have a team. Mm -hmm. We had had no tryouts. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a team. All I knew was players that were coming back from the previous year. So I had to have tryouts, first of all. Mm -hmm. So TLCAA allowed us, mm -hmm. we could try out three people at a time during school hours. Mm -hmm. It took me 30 days <sighs> to have tryouts, doing it three at a time. You can imagine. It was it was a painstaking, and I had to come up with a um, numeric scale on how I how I picked the team, mm -hmm. how I this player made it, this player didn't. Mm -hmm. I had to turn that all in. That's a state school, um, and so everything you have to be accountable and responsible, and you have to back it up. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to get our team and get it assembled after about, uh, like I said, after 30 days. Mm -hmm. uh, and after that, we <clears throat> start working out in the weight room. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we could have no preseason scrimmages. Mm -hmm. uh, our practices, uh, once we got to start practice after November 1, um, you know, it... It was a learning process. I mean, it was a learning process for them. It was a learning process for me. And so, again, it, um, it, what, sorry, what, what, where we should have been at the beginning of the season, if we had had a normal summer and summer camps and a normal preseason with preseason scrimmages, it took us to Christmas to get to that point. So we didn't play well at all until after Christmas. Then we began to put the pieces together. We had two freshmen starting that had to, you know, experience-wise. Our first sub off the bench was a freshman. And then we had the three players that had started the previous year um, with Riley Cooper, uh, Nick, Smith. Nick Smith, you know, a, a really, really good player. And then John Headings. And, and then John Headings, who was... <laughs> And and the great kids, great kids. Bus would do anything in the world. Very coachable. And then you put those freshmen in there. They had to learn, and it took them, you know, till after Christmas. And that was Miles and Bryson, right? That yeah. was that was Miles Lefew and Bryson Bilbrey, and uh, <clears throat> of course, and our 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 first sub uh, coming off the bench, like I said, was a freshman also, and um, he. Uh, was Zach Bird, and he was a really good player. Uh, he, he very versatile, a six four kid that could do a lot of things, and so we got better and we we kept telling our players we will get better and better. They have all these teams have head starts on us because they have systems, they have coaches in place. This is all new for us, and and so it was a very difficult. I'll just tell you, is an extremely difficult year because. I was doing a lot of driving back and forth from Jamestown to here, 
to church trying to keep the auction business going and trying to coach. And so I was on the road, seemed like, continuously. Um, and it, like I said, it it wore me down. If it had been 30 years prior and I'd been 30 instead of 60, <laughs> I, I feel like I could have done it. Uh, by the end of the year, and, and we had a great year. We ended up with a great year. We didn't start out with having a great season, but we ended up having a great season by winning the region and actually was this close and should have won the sub-state at home. And watching the double-A state tournament, we were this close. I really believe in my heart of being able to win the double-A state tournament last year. We had the pieces, but we didn't, but we had a great year and it does. And, and, and all the credit would go to those, those kids. And coach Powell was a great assistant coach for me in that, you know, he backed me, um, you know, he and I are a different personality. He's more laid back. I'm more aggressive. Um, I, and so when, when I would chew him out, he would lift him up. And, and so it worked out well. Uh, I hated to leave after one year because I really thought this is going to be a great program, especially changing classifications and going for classifications in basketball. So talk about winning the region because I, when you, you, you stepped into one, you stepped into a tough job because of all the things you just talked about and how late you got started and all that. But look at the district that you guys went into, one of the best double-A districts in the state. Uh, the region's that much easier when you add yeah. programs like Cumberland and, County. And, and, and Grundy. And, and Grundy as yes. well. Winning that region tournament, especially beating a good Upperman team at Upperman, that had to be special. It, it really was special. Um, it really put um, an exclamation point on our, our season, being able to win the region championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know... We knew Upperman how good they were and how good they were going to be. And actually, we defeated them the first game of the season on their on their floor. The next week, because of COVID, we had to play them on our, our floor. And we actually had that game won. Uh, but uh, was that the double go- overtime? Th- th- yeah, that's when Gore made the three yeah. <laughs> from the center line to put it in overtime. Yeah, and so um, they defeat us uh, in the overtime game there. Uh, in the district finals at their place, uh, it was uh, they beat us. They 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 led us the whole game, and they then they beat us about ten. Um, but what you what you are saying. I don't think a lot of people realize how good our district was in boys. When you take a Livingston with Matthew Sales, with yeah. Matthew Sales was incredible. He was, I'm telling you, I told everyone he is a D one player. He needs to be playing at Tennessee tech. I told everybody that I, I mean, he was, he was great. And not only that, he was a great kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Upperman that had, you know, those, the talent that they had and how deep they were. Um, there was not an easy game, you know, making County finished last, but they, they give us fits every time we played them. It was a close game, uh, DeKalb County, mm-hmm. you know, and then you put Watertown, which was one of the most athletic teams, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in there, in that mix, you know, it, it was an extremely, extremely tough district from top to bottom. It really was. Mm-hmm. And, to be able to uh, finish second, and the way it was um, last year with COVID, that you got to, the higher seed got to host mm-hmm. all the way up to the state tournament, um, 
we got to host and had the advantage going into the region finals and going to the region finals and having to play Upperman. And they had, had defeated us twice. We had defeated them once on their floor. We knew that we could. Um, and we went into it with a really defensive scheme. I, we're going to win this game with defense, and we'll just have to scrap and get our offense. We can't. And and you know the score turned it turned out to be thirty to twenty eight, yeah. <laughs> and we beat them. Uh, Bobby does a great job, and he and I were good friends. But uh, to be able to win that and win that on their floor was 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 amazing. It was kind of like winning the state championship. So, obviously, you leave at the end of the year. Talk about what you're doing now, and you're not coaching right now. So, what do you do now? Well, actually, um, I'm so busy now, it's hard (laughs) to look up. Uh, You know, real estate now is incredible, the way the real estate market is now. And COVID had pushed uh, real estate people moving here because of COVID out of the Northeast, out of California, out of Florida. And so, Middle Tennessee is... a big destination. So I am the principal auctioneer and I run the auction company mm-hmm. portion of our business, of our real estate company. And we have had a great auction year and are getting ready to even finish it even stronger mm-hmm. with some of the best auctions that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So uh, that has kept me extremely <laughs> busy as well as I continue to preach mm-hmm. at DeRosset. Um, and so I have I have had plenty plenty <laughs> on my plate. Um, this time of year, I always get uh, an, a yearning and empty feeling because when basketball season mm-hmm. comes around, you know it gets in your blood. And when you've done it as long as I have, mm-hmm. you know, you know when I wasn't coaching the high school during those years, I was still coaching. I actually had coached at Finley Elementary. Mm-hmm. And then I coached the eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade school at the middle school mm-hmm. for several years. And so I continued to coach, but I am not coaching any longer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I will not coach again. Mm-hmm. If if the good Lord is willing and I'm healthy enough, I hope to go back into high school coaching at, at, mm-hmm. at some point when I can let go of some other things. Mm-hmm. So the way I like to end all of these is just – Give give some advice or, or speak to kind of the younger generation right now that maybe wants to get to where you are as a coach. Uh, talk, what is something you would tell the younger people today about how to get to where you are, and what's something you would tell your younger self? What I would say is this. You, you have to have a passion for something. And whatever you're going to do in life, every morning when you wake up, whether you have got a college degree, a trade school de- degree, or neither, you're working in another job, you have to enjoy and look forward to getting up out of bed each morning, getting ready to go to work, and enjoy and having a passion for what you do. If you don't, you're going to be miserable. And I, I, God didn't mean for us to be miserable. We are to enjoy what we do. And and so I always advise um, our young people, my sons, follow your passion. What are you passionate about? What do you love to do? And follow that passion and get into some type of career that is going to 
you know, accommodate or, or run parallel with that passion. I've always loved the auction portion of the bit. I did that while I was coaching part-time. So this has been a passion for me, and I continued to do that, as well as ministering and being a preacher. But if there's one thing, and I, I talked about this Sunday in my sermon, if there is one thing that I see from when I got out of coaching the first time and went back to coaching last year that the difference in young people mm. is that somehow the younger generation has lost that attitude of gratitude, being grateful, mm. being grateful. I think many today feel entitled the things to be given to them and not worked for and not earned. And you have to be grateful for the things, even the small things. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to tell our players, every day somebody has made a sacrifice for you to be here. You know, they have either spent money, gas, time to make, to give you an opportunity to participate in sports. Mm -hmm. Express that gratitude. Be grateful. Say thank you. And and we've grown up in an electronic generation where these phones and computers and stuff, and we communicate that way. It's very diff difficult for them, for, for young people, and I'm talking about my sons included, to look you in the eye and talk to you and say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate you, and I appreciate what you do, and thank you very much. That is what we see missing from our younger generation. If we, if we teach our kids, if we teach our young people to be grateful, just be grateful for the things that, you, that God supplies us with, whether it be materialistic, whether it be spiritual, and you may look down the road and say, well, they've got it a lot better than I do. Well, you know, they may have, but that doesn't mean that you can't be happy with what you have and be grateful for what you have and what you're going to be able to do. And if you develop that attitude, you'll see that things begin to come and, and, and go around. And, you know, you're not always going to be on the, on the bottom. You know, we're going, this life is full of, of storms. This life is going to be full of setbacks. What do we do when we hit those? Do we give up or do we get up and get up and suit up and go on? And 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 do and learn from it and do the best we can. Wise wise words. That was former White County head coach and former Upper Cumberland legend Roy Whited.